Psalm 74 is one of 11 psalms that are attributed to Asaph, and uh, most likely it's written after the Babylonian conquest, after the destruction of the temple. So you guys, uh, if you've done your Old Testament reading, you might remember that uh, the nation of Israel, at first under the leadership of uh, uh, Saul and then David and Solomon, was a united kingdom. But then after the death of Solomon, his son Rehoboam came to uh, power, and it was under his reign that the kingdom was divided. And so uh, they had what was called the northern kingdom of Israel, and the southern kingdom of Judah. Do you guys follow me so far? Okay, so the the northern kingdom of Israel, they never served the Lord. They worshiped the golden calf. And so in 722 BC, the northern kingdom of Israel was carried away by the Assyrians. They uh, were, man, a vicious uh, uh, people. They would conquer cities, and they would literally uh, put pyramids of skulls in front of the city gates. They would take the leaders of the city and they would impale them. And so, you know, they would take, they would cut off an arm, you know, pull off an eye. I mean, just different things. They were just a vicious people because the northern kingdom of Israel, they they were idol, idolaters. They, They never served the Lord. And so God warned them, prophet after prophet. So eventually they got carried away. So the southern kingdom of Judah, they saw this. They saw what happened, but they, they, they didn't have a consistent walk with the Lord. They had some good kings. They had some bad kings, but, but mainly they were not consistent. You know, and, and it's a warning for us, I think, that you know, sometimes we see you know, things going on in, in different people's lives and the way they get disciplined, the way they fall away, the way things that happen to them, and, and we should learn from their lessons. But sometimes we don't, huh? And, and sometimes we even justify it by saying, well, I, I did good, like, you know, this day and that day. But then there's other days where you don't. You just, you know, you, you take a day off. And, and it's like this roller coaster ride. When God wants us to have a consistent walk with him, he wants that. You know, sometimes you see people, they come to church. Sometimes they don't come to church sometimes. What's up with that? What's up with that? Are you going to serve the Lord or not? If not, then, then you know what, man? You've got to make that decision because what we find is with the, the southern kingdom of Judah, God warned them. And they saw everything that happened. But then the day came where finally God said, okay, enough. I've been trying to speak to you and you won't listen. And so God took the Babylonians, and in 586 B.C., he took them, and they just devastated Israel. They de- devastated Jerusalem. They, they tore down the temple. They, we're going to see today, they took axes to the, the paneling. I mean, they burned the temple down. I mean, they just completely crushed it. And, and so... It's a warning for us, you guys. You know, the, the beautiful thing about God is he's so gracious to us and he forgives us of our sins. But let me tell you something, man. If you abuse that grace, then you are welcoming, you are inviting, you are testing God. And if you're a child of God, he will discipline you. 
And, and that's what happened here in Psalm 74. That's, that's the background, uh, no doubt. You know? and, and so in the midst of all this, what's happening really is that the children of, of, of Judah, they were disciplined. And, and so you know, maybe it's been a day or a week or a month or a year, but, but it, it turned out to be 70 years. And so who knows when this psalm was written, but it was written sometime after the discipline. And so 50 years after, 60 years after, and the psalmist is wondering, Lord, how long? Why is this happening? He's really struggling with it. And what he does is he wrestles with God in prayer over this whole issue. The city of Jerusalem has been laid waste. The temple is destroyed. Uh, the foundation is flattened. And so we read in Psalm 74, um, In verse 1, it's a contemplation of Asaph. He says, oh, oh God, why have you cast us off forever? Why does your anger smoke? Think about that. Smoke against us. The sheep of your pasture. He, he prays, remember your congregation, which you have purchased of old. The tribe of your inheritance, which you have redeemed. This Mount Zion, where you have dwelt, lift up your feet to the perpetual desolations. That, that right there in verse 3, where it says, lift up your feet. It's kind of like, you know how sometimes we have these disasters in our country, and our president uh, will fly to the location, because they literally want him to walk through this whole thing. Lord, come and, and, and walk through this. I, I, we want you to see it firsthand. He says, the enemy has damaged everything in the sanctuary. Your enemies, they roar in the midst of your meeting place. They set up their banners for signs. They, they seem like men who lift up axes among the thick trees, and now they break down its carved work all at once with axes and hammers. They have set fire to your sanctuary. They have defiled the dwelling place of your name to the ground. They said in their hearts, let us destroy them all together. They have burned up all the meeting places of God in the land. And what we find right here is he's having a hard time and, and because, you know, they're, they're, they got discipline and, and he's asking, Lord, why so long? You know, he uses that word forever there in verse 1. Oh, God, why have you cast us off forever? I mean, part of me is probably thinking that the psalmist is not really struggling with the fact that he's been disciplined, uh, although that might be part of the reason, like why, why this happened. But I think he's struggling more with the fact that it's been happening now. Why so long? Why, why is this going on so long? Why have you cast us off forever? Look at, at verse 10. Oh God, how long will the adversary reproach? Will the enemy blaspheme your name forever? We see it again in, in verse 19. Oh, do not deliver the life of your turtle dove to the wild beast. Do not forget the life of your poor forever. And, and I think that what he's asking right here is just, Lord, why so long? You know, one of the things that we have to know about the Lord when we go through trials, okay, because we're thinking, well, Lord, it's already been, you know, and you give the, the amount of time, and things aren't better yet. You know, we're, we're not out of this hole yet. And, and we have to know when we go through hard times 
that not only does God have, you know, the details on the temperature, but he has the details on the time. And in his perfect time, things will change. You know, when I, when I think of going through hard times in life, I, 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 I don't know how you guys feel, like when something happens to you, you know, you get sick, um, something happens to your family, you lose your job, you, uh, um, you feel like you're defeated in ministry, um, something happens uh, to your kids, uh, you hear that word cancer, I mean, you name it, the, the hard times, I don't know what you guys experience. But, but when I, whenever I go through anything, it could be the, the smallest thing. I don't know. I, I don't know how you feel, but like I'm wondering, Lord, are you disciplining me? Because I don't know about you, but I'm always, I'm aware of my sin. I mean, there's no one here who has no sin. There's no one here who can say, well, I don't deserve a trancaso, right? I mean, think about it. Something happens, and at the end of the day, really what we're thinking is, God, I deserve much worse. I mean, if you gave me what I deserve, I deserve, I'm not, I'm not worthy to, to be in ministry. I'm not, I, I, I should be in hell. I should be dead. So it's hard sometimes to really distinguish, like, you know, when's God disciplining me, or when is it just a, a trial because I'm actually trying to do the right thing. But no matter what, sometimes God will show you, but no matter what, this is what I've learned, that I want to grow, that I want to be holier. As I go through whatever the hard time is, I want to know him more. And, and so, you know, when we're going through these things, you know, we wonder... How do we get out of it, Lord? And, and the last thing in the world that you want to do is to go through a heavy, heavy trial and come out the same. And, and to me, I'm like, I always think about that. I'm like, Lord, that's the last thing in the world. What, what, a, what, a, what a terrible thing. What a missed opportunity when you took me through the fire. And my impurities are still there. Because I didn't repent. I mean, sometimes I think of it this way. I think of it this way. Like, God, you're trying to make me a man of prayer. I mean, prayer like crazy. Prayer like Elijah. Prayer like Jesus. Prayer like Paul. Isn't that what, what we want? And the, and, and the guy doesn't even pray. The, the gal doesn't even grow in her prayer life. You know, or, or sometimes God leads us to fast and they don't, they don't even really fast and they're not really seeking the Lord. Listen, we got to go through these trials and come out stronger. Us as a church, we're, we're going through a trial and, you know, tomorrow the, the news is going to announce what happened here at this church about how this young man that we trusted, he, he's a, he's, we trusted him and he, and he just, you know, maybe it's our fault. I don't know. But I know that we're going to go through, like I was talking on Sunday, literally trials. This is what we're facing. God, why are you allowing it? How long will this last? Sometimes these things drag out for years. I don't know. 
I don't know all the details. Lord, why was Judas allowed to, to walk with you for three and a half years? You knew who he was. He was Satan. I mean, Satan was going to enter that guy. Lord, why was he allowed there? All I know is God's got a plan. And as we go through this, and, and as I go through this, and as you go through this, and as all these young boys went through this, my prayer is that they would establish a walk with Jesus Christ. See, and, and as we look at this and we look at these trials, you know, another thing that's really cool about this psalm is that he's, he's trying to, you know, to, to wrestle with God in prayer. You know, I mean, it's another thing that, that you can do. And, and really, that's what he's doing here. Notice again, oh God, why have you cast us off forever? Why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture? And it's interesting because we see in this psalm how it, the poet uses a series of endearing terms to describe the people of God. It's like, Lord, you know who we are? I mean, we're your sheep. We're your congregation. Lord, we're the tribe of your inheritance. Later on, he says, we're your turtle dove. You're like, what's a turtle dove? And it's like, like a cute little bird, you know, that you just fall in love with. I mean, Lord, that's who we are. And, and what, is he, what is he doing? He's, he's wrestling with God in prayer. And listen, we should do the same. As we go through the trials that we go through, it should transform our prayer life. And, and we go to the Lord and, and we're just sharing our heart. God, I don't understand. You know, there's a why sometimes. There's how long. There's these questions that we have. But Lord, listen, this is who we are. We're your church. We just, we want to glorify you, Lord. We want to help people, Lord. We want them to come to you, Lord. This is who we are. We're your congregation. We're not man's congregation we're the tribe of your inheritance we're the apple of your eye we're your turtle dove that that's what the psalmist is, is trying to do here he's trying to share you know these things with the lord and so he asks god right there in verse two remember your congregation and and i don't know you know how you guys feel about that some of you here, maybe you're like, well, duh. Maybe you're here and you're like really good in your theology and you know that God never forgets. God is omniscient. But there's something about prayers like that. There, there's something about prayers that, that just say, Lord, don't forget me. Lord, I'm here. Lord, I believe that you hear prayer. I believe that if I jump up and down, I believe, God, that if I make my way through the crowd and through the clutter and through the chaos, that I can touch the hem of your garment. And you'll take notice that there is someone here who's praying, who really believes. And I'm asking God, remember us. Help us, Lord. I know you have so much more for us. You know, that's what he's saying. And he says, remember three times. In verse 18, Re remember this, that the enemy has reproached, O Lord. In, in verse 22, arise, O God, plead your own cause. Remember 
how the foolish man re reproaches you, reproaches you daily. And so he's, he's just talking to the Lord. He's asking the Lord to, to intervene because these guys have come in with axes and hammers and, and all that. And, 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 you know, he's just saying, God, they've destroyed, you know. And, and before we leave this section real quick, because like I said, and I don't know if you guys are, are following me or not, but, but I really believe that it has to do with, um, you know, us. Sometimes we're in places where, you know, we, we might be getting disciplined. And, 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 and other times we're not really sure. When I, when I, when I read about the axes, though, I, I don't know if you guys thought of that passage in the book of, of Matthew. I want you to turn there to Matthew chapter 3. In Matthew chapter 3, in verse 7, this is the ministry of John the Baptist. And it says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And so here's John the Baptist. And with these guys who, you know, they were... Uh, they were playing games with God, you know. They, they were just in it for the wrong reasons. And so as they come to John, he's not afraid to tell it straight, talk it straight, you know. Hey, you guys are just a bunch of snakes. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And, and, then he, and he gives that, that, that whole thing about the axe. He says, even now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. You can't just say, I went to church. You can't just say, I went forward at the altar call. You can't just say, well, well, I have the bumper sticker. You can't, you can't say, I went to Calvary Chapel, El Monte. You can't. Is your life different or not? Does your life bear fruits worthy of repentance? If someone were to look at you, would they identify you as a Christian? Because if not, what John is saying is the axe is right there. It's laid to the root of the tree. And if you don't get right, I'm going to cut you, I'm going to cut you down, God says. And I'm going to throw you in the fire. See? And that's, you know, a lot of you here, you know you're Christians, you know your life has changed. Some of you here, you haven't. And, and God warns you because he loves you. Listen, don't play games with your eternity. You know, over here, back in the book of Psalms, I, I, just, I just couldn't help think of it. You know, these, they got these axes and they're just chopping everything down. And it's a warning for us, you guys. It, it really is. Look back in Psalm uh, 74 in, in verse 9. We, we do not see our signs. There is no longer any prophet, nor is there any among us who knows how long 
O God, how long will the adversary reproach? Will the enemy blaspheme your name forever? Why do you withdraw your hand, even, even your right hand? Take it out of your bosom and, and destroy them. You know, and you guys see how he's wrestling in prayer? He's saying, Lord, you see what's going on here. You see the way that your name is being dragged through the mud. We're your children. We're your children. And look what they're doing here. They know we represent you. And so, Lord, take your hands out of your pockets, <laughs> kind of, and get them. That's kind of what he's saying, Lord. Um, help us. Verse 11, why do you withdraw your hand, even your right hand? Take it out of your bosom and and destroy them. For God is my king from of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. In other words, God does continue to act uh, and deliver on planet earth. He does intervene. He says, you divided the sea by your strength. You broke the heads of the sea serpents in the waters. You broke the heads of Leviathan in pieces and gave him as food to the people inhabiting the wilderness. You broke open the fountain and the flood. You dried up mighty rivers. The day is yours. The night also is yours. You have prepared the light and the sun. You have set all the borders of the earth. You have made summer and winter. I mean, when you look at what's going on here, he's praying and, he, and he's saying, God, intervene. Lord, and I, and I just love the, the way that he prays, and, and hopefully it kind of helps us in our prayer life as well. When we look at this, it, it kind of shows us some things. You know, when you look at this whole thing about now he's looking to the past of what God has done, you know, in, in verse 13, you divided the sea by your strength. That might be in reference to, remember when he split open the sea and the, the Jews went through the Red Sea? It could be other things. Um, you broke the heads of the sea serpents and the waters. Um, and, and that might be in reference in verse 14. He talks about the Leviathan. Now, the Leviathan is an interesting creature. Sometimes when you read it in the Bible, it's to be taken literally, like in the book of Job. Other times when you read about the Leviathan, it's to be taken figuratively, like Isaiah chapter 27 and verse 1. And there you'll see at the end of the day that the Leviathan, think about this big sea creature. You guys, like they're, they're a dragon in, in the water. I mean, something like that, right? Symbolic of Satan. Symbolic of Satan. And what's he saying here? Lord, he's nothing for you. He's nothing for you. He says, you're the one who made the light and, and the day and the moon. You're the one who gave us the summer and the winter. You're God. You're, you're the creator, maintainer, God. And so, Lord, as we go through this trial, Lord, come in. And, and, and I think that when you pray like that, it, it, it gives like oomph, you know, to your prayer. Now, sometimes when you pray with people, do you guys, have you ever noticed that? And at first I didn't really like it, but then I learned, well, that's Bible prayer. Because like, it's like, you are God. Lord, Lord, you are God. And part of me is thinking, well, he already knows that, you know? He kind of knows he's God, but you're praying to him and you're telling him he is God. That would be like someone coming up to me and say, you are Manny. <laughs> and I'd be like, 
Yeah, but it's different. It's different with God. You know, with, with the Lord, what it does is it adds strength uh, to our prayers. Look at Psalm 121. Psalm 121, look at verse 2. Oh, verse 1 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who did what? Who made heaven and earth. So what are you going through? What are we going through as a church? Who, we, we look to the one. Can he help us? Yeah, because he made heaven and and earth and we remember that in our prayers and we remember that when the enemy tries to discourage us we remember that when the enemy tries to come in and whisper those lies to us no our our eyes are are lifted to the lord and and he the one who made heaven and earth is going to help us you know it, it reminds me even of the prayer that the apostles prayed if you turn over to the book of acts chapter 4 when they told them hey you guys don't be preaching in the name of Jesus ever again or we're going to we're going to hurt you and and so in, in verse 23 it says and being let go they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them and so when they heard that notice they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David has said, why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly, your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. I mean, it's so cool. They tell them, hey, don't preach in that name again. And so what do they do? They actually pray. But first, they, they, just make, they acknowledge who they're praying to, the God who made heaven and earth. And they said, Lord, give us boldness. Lord, work in our, in our, in our, in our church, in our, in our witness. You know, and so the psalmist is doing the same thing. I think he's wrestling with God in prayer. Who knows? Maybe it's been 69 years. And there's Daniel praying or whatever. This guy, you know, his prayer is added to the whole thing. And then this guy's praying. And he's saying, Lord, it's been a long time. There, there was no temple. It's been destroyed. We've been in Babylon. It's been a long time. And he's wrestling in prayer. Lord, where are your sheep? Lord, where the tribe of your inheritance? Lord, you know, where your turtle dove? Lord, where your congregation? Lord, remember us. Don't forget us. I know you've got a lot going on. You know, Lord, 
but don't forget us. And he's just wrestling with prayer. I, I pray that we would do the same thing. Verse uh, 18, remember this, that the enemy has reproached, O Lord, and that a foolish people has blasphemed your name. Oh, do not deliver the life of your turtle dove to the wild beast. Do not forget the life of your poor forever. Have respect to the covenant, for the dark places of the earth are full of the haunts of cruelty. Oh, do not let the oppressed return ashamed. Let the poor and needy praise your name. Right? He says, Arise, O God, plead your own cause. Remember how the foolish man reproaches you daily. Do not forget the voice of your enemies. The tumult of those who rise up against you increases continually. You know, and, and when you look at this psalm, I mean, again, it's definitely, I think, within the context of the Babylonian captivity. But I even think of it now when we look around. Um, United States of America, uh, I think recently, I don't know the details on this law, but in New York they just passed a law that basically says you can kill your baby uh, all the way up to the due date. All the way up to the due date. And so, remember what Billy Graham said? If God doesn't judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. So, so here's what happened with Judah when they were doing all the crazy, wicked things that they were doing, Habakkuk, he, he started talking to God, and he said, God, this nation, I mean, they're, they're just so bad. They're, they deserve judgment. And so God said, okay, um, then I'm going to send the Babylonians. And then Habakkuk said, what? The Babylonians? You know what that would be like? That would be like God judging our country. Maybe with the Muslims. I mean, to me, it doesn't make any sense. And I'm not trying to give you a prophecy or anything. All I'm saying is that, you know, if we don't get right, then something's going to happen. Judgment's on the way. Not only America, but the world. Huh. And so he's looking at this, and it's like, how long, Lord, how long? And, and it's kind of interesting because, you know, I'm sure he's struggling that a nation like Babylon would be the ones to judge the people of God. And the next psalm, it kind of it actually goes hand in hand. It says in Psalm 75, uh, it's a, to the chief musician set to do not destroy a psalm of Asaph, a, a psalm. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks. For your wondrous works declare that your name is near. When I, when I choose the proper time, and this is now God speaking, when I choose the proper time, I will judge uprightly. That's God. He's saying, hey, I'm going to judge. The earth and all its inhabitants are dissolved. I, I set up its pillars firmly. I, I said to the boastful, do not deal boastfully, and to the wicked, do not lift up the horn. Do not lift up your horn on high. Do not speak with a stiff neck. For exaltation comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is judge. He puts down one and exalts another. For the hand of the Lord, there is a cup, and the wine is red. It is fully mixed, and he pours it out. 
Surely its dregs shall all the wicked of the earth drain and drink down. But I will declare forever, I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. All the horns of the wicked I will cut off, but the horns of the righteous shall be exalted. And so you have all these nations of the earth. You know, China rises up or whatever is going on in India. You know, um, I don't know. America had their day. You know, there was the Babylonians and there was the Medo-Persians. Then there was the Greeks and there was the Romans. I mean, you look, at, you look throughout church history and, and what we find right here is God is the one who, who raises up. God is the one who puts down. Not just individuals, but contextually here he's speaking about people because ultimately he is the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords and he's going to judge. So when God does judge, how many of you here think it's going to be a good thing? You get mixed emotions, huh? I mean, I think you should be because kind of like when I think of God coming and, and Jesus judging, I think, wow, Lord, cool, you're kind of wrapping it all up. Even though uh, it's going to be hell on earth. I mean, God, the, you think the wrath of man is bad? You think the wrath of the devil is bad? Let me tell you something. It ain't nothing compared to the wrath of God. You know, in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, all the kings of the earth and all these you know, mighty men, they go into the caves and they just say, Lord, hide us. Hide us, because the wrath of the Lamb has come. And so it's interesting, this psalm right here, it actually talks about God being judged in his time. He's going to judge. Um, in the meantime, he's got his you know, nations. He's raising them up. He's putting them down. And, uh, and it starts off with actually an expression of thanksgiving. Look at verse 1 again. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks. For your wondrous works declare that your name is near. And I, and I think that might be a, a good verse to kind of say when I look at the world that we live in, he's kind of saying, I see the signs of the times, you know? Uh, but to be thankful. It, it mixed emotions, I guess. You know, it reminds me, today I heard a story relayed that Dr. David Jeremiah uh, shared about a pastor who was mugged and the pastor thanked God for three things. Number one, he thanked God that it was the first time that he'd been mugged. You know, thank you, Lord. And then the second thing he thanked him for was that the mugger took his wallet, not his life. He was thankful for that. And then the third thing he was thankful for was that even though the guy took everything, he didn't have a lot. So he was kind of thankful for that. <laughs> You know, and you get those mixed emotions. You're, you're thankful, um, but at the same time, you're like, wow, this is heavy stuff. You know, in verse 1, we see that God is manifested to man through his works. And these are works that only God can do. Now, the psalm is prophetic and messianic in nature. In verse 2, basically, God says, at the appointed time, I, I will judge fairly. And, and, and it's interesting because the previous psalm was talking about time right how god you know is taking too long in, in verse three it says um, right here that it says the earth and all its inhabitants are dissolved that i set up its pillars firmly 
And, and basically what that's saying is when all the earth and its inhabitants dissolve in fear, God says, I'll, I'll make it secure. Um, but then when the day comes, you know, God will, um, he'll, he'll put down, he'll exalt, he'll judge. And so it's important for us to know, you know, that, that the Lord is on the throne. Probably the best book in the Bible that establishes this truth so clearly is the book of Daniel, right? And you guys remember the book of Daniel in chapter 2, uh, different things where one time uh, Nebuchadnezzar had that, 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 that dream, you know, and, and uh, you know, Daniel comes and he gives him the revelation, he gives him the interpretation, and he talks about how, you know, he was the, the head of gold, and after him would be the Medo-Persians, the silver, and then the, the Greeks, the bronze, and then the Romans, and, then, and all that. And so he's just telling him, you got a time where you're going to be in power. But then what does Nebuchadnezzar do? He goes and he builds an image and it's all gold. It's all him. He says, man, I'm, I'm the one in power and no one's going to take it. What did God do? God humbled him, huh? And to where he literally was walking on all fours. His nails were growing like a claws and... He was, a, he was eating the grass. Because we need to know this. And, it, and it's true in nations. It's true in individuals. That God is the one who raises people up. You know, we have our president. And a lot of people, they disrespect him. I, I think he's trying to do the best job that he can. I don't think there's anything wrong with you know, protecting your borders, trying to, you know, nothing, we don't have anything against against Hispanics or any type of nationality. We, we love everybody. All we're asking is come over legally. That's all. I mean, why do people have a problem with that? But even, even if, you know, you're here, we can debate afterwards, that's fine, but, but, <laughs> but, but what I'm trying to say is Romans 13, it says that he, he's, God put him there. That all the authorities are, are, are there, they're put there by God. But why do we fight that sometimes? First Timothy, it, it says in chapter 2, pray for your leaders. We don't disrespect them. That's what we're supposed to do. Now, does that mean that all those guys are godly and they're Christians? I don't know. Sometimes they claim to be. Sometimes they think they're just using it. I don't know. I don't know the man's heart. But I do know the Lord. And I do know that God is putting people up and God will put people down. Same is true in the church. It's his church, you know? And I don't think that necessarily one position is any better than another. You know, when we go to heaven, you guys know this, right? That the, the ones that are going to get the best rewards are the prayer ladies that nobody knows about, right? You guys know that, right? Or some of these prayer guys or some of these guys, I trip out on them, man. They're just emptying the trash. I'll be honest with you, man. They're going to get a better reward. We are in the front, and we get the accolades, and they throw us a you know, pastor appreciation day. I mean, when did the janitors ever get the appreciation day, you know? In heaven. You know, but in the meantime, God will put people in positions of authority. The worst thing you could do is try to jockey for a position. Because exaltation, it doesn't come from the east or the west. Or the south, it comes from the north. And if he wants you there, he'll put you there. 
All we have to do is be faithful. You be faithful. You be holy. You cultivate your prayer life. You learn the Bible. You, know, you, you love your family. You take care of the things God wants you to take care of. And then you just let him you know, do the rest. And so he's talking right here contextually about nations, but really it's, a, it's about everyone. And, and, and God's going to judge. And, and one of the things that you'll find is that God will judge all nations on planet Earth. And so last psalm, we'll just go through this real quick. In Psalm 76, it's a psalm of Asaph, a song. It says, in Judah, God is known. His name is great in Israel. In Salem also is his tabernacle and his dwelling place in Zion. There he broke the arrows of the bow, the shield and the sword of battle. Now it's interesting, there in verse 2, it uses the word tabernacle, but the Hebrew word is literally refers to a den or a lair where a lion would be. I mean, the Hebrew word for tabernacle is not used here. So it's just talking about God, and we don't know for sure when this psalm was written. Uh, a lot of people believe it was written after the Lord um, gave the, the, the Jews victory. Remember when the Assyrian armies was surrounding Hezekiah, and there were 185,000 soldiers surrounding them? And so Hezekiah came and he spread out the letter and through him and the ministry of Isaiah, God sent one angel and he came and he wiped out 185,000 Assyrians. So a lot of people believe that that's the backdrop to this psalm. And it's just amazing what he's doing. He's just praising God for, for what he's done. He says in verse four, you are more glorious and excellent than the mountains of prey the stout-hearted were plundered. They have sunk into their sleep, and none of the mighty men have found the use of their hands. At your rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariot and the horse were cast into a dead sleep. You yourself are to be feared, and who may stand in your presence when once you are angry? You cause judgment to be heard from heaven, the earth feared and was still. When God arose to judgment to deliver all the oppressed of the earth, Selah. Surely the wrath of man shall praise you. With the remainder of wrath you shall gird yourself. And so what does he say? This Here's the application in verse 11. Make vows to the Lord your God and pay them. Let all who are around him bring presents to him who ought to be feared. He shall cut off the spirit of princes. He is awesome to the kings of the earth. And, and you know, basically, you know, when you look at your life and we look at the life of the children of Israel, and, you know, some say maybe that was when the Egyptian army drowned in the Red Sea. It could have been another great victory that Israel experienced. He's saying, look at how awesome God is. If he rises up, there ain't no one who can get him. He's like a lion. He comes out. He protects his people. He saves us. He delivers us. 
He gets us that job. He provides for our family. He blesses. He saves our loved ones. He does great things for our children. He saves us. He saved us. And that's what, at the end of the day, that's the best victory of all. Listen, if you don't get anything else but that, you got enough. But then he says, because of that, because of the way that the lion of the tribe of Judah has delivered us and, and given us that victory, he says, make vows to God. You know, make vows to God. I mean, what are you going to do? How will you respond? Will there be any type of commitment on your part to be surrendered to him? Will you serve him? And, and you know, don't just be like laid back, like you, you really have got nothing going on. I mean, you get with the Lord and you ask, okay, Lord, I, I'm not going to be... Uh, the Lord showed me this morning when I was praying, if you're lazy, you're wicked. Remember what he said? You lazy, wicked servant. <laughs> Some of you here, I love you, but you're lazy. You've been given gifts, you have a calling on your life, and you're just sitting on it. Some of you are not. I thank God for you. <laughs> we should all be serving the Lord. We should all make vows to God and keep them. Our, our marriage vows, our vows uh, to, to be pure, our vows to serve, our vows to be holy, our vows to be a man of prayer, woman of prayer. We, we should make vows and keep them because of what he's done for us, the victory he's given to us. And so tonight, may God stir us up. May, may God, you know, do a great work. And if you're here and you're thinking, well, but Manny, I'm kind of going through trials and, and uh, I don't know if God is really noticing me. Let me close with one last passage in Isaiah chapter 49. In verse 15. It says, can a woman forget her nursing child? Any of you moms here ever done that? Yeah, once. One time we were at the other building. We are in the park, actually, and I remember one time the parents left their kids there in the, in the room. What happened was mom thought dad had him, and dad thought mom had him, and they both went home. So anyways, but a mom would never do this, right? Can a mom forget her nursing child? and not have compassion on the son of her womb. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, he says, surely they may forget. But God says, yet I will not forget you. See, and what does he do? What does Jesus do? He lifts up his hands. I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. And what we read, like the psalmist said, remember me, remember me. Lord, don't you see what I'm going through? I mean, the temperature and the time. And God says, listen, I got it all under control. I, I, I have you inscribed on my hands. I'm watching over you. And so may that encourage us. We're going to go through trials. So get ready. It's going to get crazy. Get ready. We're going to go through trials. But as we go through these trials... I tell you what, man, I'm going to fight with everything I've got.
just to get closer to the Lord. I pray you do the same.